Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 29 of Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to be reading Genesis 3 verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did Jehovah God make coats of skins and clothe them. Well, we began to talk about this in our last study. And we saw that in order for God to make these coats of skins, he first, the Lord, first had to kill animals and and take their skins to clothe them. And we saw that God was picturing or prefiguring animal sacrifice. And animal sacrifice itself is a sign. It was a picture of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Actually, every sacrifice that God uh, stipulated, that God commanded in his law to be performed, each one was a picture again and again, whether it was a dove or a lamb or a goat or an ox. Again and again, it was an illustration, a living illustration, because the the priest of Israel were commanded to do these things and and so they would take the animal they would kill the animal they would slay it uh, upon the altar they would take its parts and burn it and so forth and and in doing these things according to the word of God as God commanded that they should be done they were living out a, a tableau. They they were showing forth that this is what the Savior did, accomplished, the finished work of Christ already performed at the foundation of the world. And also there was a prophecy of the Bible looking ahead to the coming Messiah. And when the Messiah would come, when Christ would be born of a woman and enter into the world, he too would be a tableau or a living demonstration of the things that were done from the foundation of the world. We've discussed this before, but, uh, you know, this is an important teaching of the Bible that's good to review. In Hebrews chapter 7, concerning... Melchizedek and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, uh, closely to what God says in Hebrews 7 and verse 14, for it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. And, you know, we're used to thinking, we've been trained to think Melchizedek is a type 
of Christ. But here it says it's after the similitude or the type of Melchizedek that another priest arises, and that is Christ. That is, Jesus is the type of Melchizedek. Now, let's also take a look at Luke 11, verse 30. And again, this is the Bible, and we have to listen carefully. Um, and the problem with man is that we're deaf, naturally, and it requires God to open our ears in salvation before we can begin to hear spiritual things and understand spiritual things. But even after we've been saved, and after God has opened up our ears, we that doesn't mean we hear every spiritual truth. And, and so sometimes... We have to focus in, and of course, it's all uh, by God's grace, according to the understanding that he gives one to another, and, and so forth. But, all right, let's listen in Luke 11, verse 30. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, that's the prophet Jonah, who was swallowed by a whale and spent three days and three nights in a whale's belly. Well, that was a sign to the Ninevites. Again, Luke 11, verse 30, For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also, so shall also what? So shall also the Son of Man be a sign. Now, it didn't say that there. I added that. But but that's exactly what God's saying. That as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, the Son of Man is a sign to this generation. I'll read it again. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. The Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he walked amongst men, when he um, entered into the human race, when he went from birth to a young man to his period of ministry, the baptism, and unto the cross where he died and, and said, it is finished, it was all a sign And signs point to a greater spiritual reality. The sign of the Son of Man, what it all pointed to, was that Jesus had done these things. He'd already done them. They're finished. And here is what he did. He came into the world to be the light of the world. And and whatsoever does make manifest is light. He made manifest these truths, and therefore was a sign. Christ was a sign, just as the animal sacrifices were a sign. And I say Jesus was a sign when he entered into the human race because he was not paying for sin. The payment for sin had already previously, long ago, at the foundation of the world, been made. But here God is prefiguring the shedding of blood, the necessity that there must be blood shed before sin can be covered 
and sin can be forgiven and shame can be removed. And so God made them coats of skin. The Hebrew word translated as coats is 3801 in Strong's Concordance. And it's often used concerning the priesthood. In Exodus 28, it says in verse 39 and 40, And thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen, and thou shalt make the mitre, of fine linen, and thou shalt make the girdle of needlework. And for Aaron's sons, thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them, for glory and for beauty. Also, in the next chapter, Exodus 29, beginning in verse 5, And thou shalt take the garments, and put upon Aaron the coat, and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with a curious girdle of the ephod. And thou shalt put the mitre upon his head and put the holy crown upon the mitre. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. And thou shalt bring his sons and put coats upon them. And thou shalt gird them with girdles, Aaron and his sons, and put the bonnets on them. And the priest office, the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statute, and thou shalt consecrate Aaron and his sons. So here we, we have God, uh, prescribing the clothing for Aaron and his sons. And a Levite had to be a son of Aaron to be a priest. There, there was, that strict requirement for the priesthood. Not any Jew could be a priest, but only the sons of Aaron. And this pointed to the Lord Jesus, because Aaron was the high priest, and Jesus was, after the similitude of Melchizedek, a high priest. Jesus came to offer up himself, like he had done at the foundation of the world. And so Aaron typifies Christ, and his sons would typify all those that God has saved because we're adopted children into the family of God. We become the sons of God. And and so when we're reading of Aaron and his sons, we can think Christ and the elect, Christ and all the people that God saves. It says in Exodus 40, Beginning in verse 13, and thou shalt put upon Aaron the holy garments and anoint him and sanctify him that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt bring his sons and clothe them with coats and thou shalt anoint them as thou didst anoint their father that they may minister unto me in the priest's office for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. So we heard in uh, Exodus 29, it was a perpetual statute. And here God speaks of the anointing to an everlasting priesthood. In First Peter chapter 2, it says in verse 5, Ye also as lively stones or living stones are built up a spiritual house 
a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And here God is speaking of anyone who he has saved or who has become saved. We are part of a spiritual house. That's one picture. And we're part of a holy priesthood. In another place, it says a royal priesthood because we're also part of the family of God and and God is a king. And so we're not only prophets, priests, but we're also kings. And this is the idea between Aaron and his sons. It's an everlasting priesthood of God's elect. And it says in Exodus 39... In verse 27, and they make coats of fine linen of woven work for Aaron and for his sons. Again and again, it's Aaron and his sons. The coats that they are clothed with, they are for Aaron and his sons. And these coats were made of fine linen. What does that remind us of? Well, it reminds us of what we read in Revelation chapter 19 concerning the bride of Christ. And and remember, this relates back to Adam and Eve and God clothing them. He made them coats of skins and clothed them. And Adam and Eve is a similar picture to Aaron and the priests because Aaron is a figure of him that was to come the Lord, Jesus Christ, Eve, uh, his bride, all those that Christ saves. Aaron, a type of the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, his sons, those adopted into the family of God and made a spiritual or holy priesthood. We offer up spiritual sacrifices as we live our life for Christ. And so in Revelation chapter 19, it says in verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. There is the bride all dressed in white. And uh, you know how the marriage institution or the marriage ceremony has long been in in places where they knew the, the Bible very fittingly laid out to to match in some cases the biblical language. And when the bride dresses in white and enters uh, in, into the hall or into the church where she would be married and she's walking down the aisle. She's made herself ready. Just as it says in Revelation 19, she's made herself clean and white. Well, that's a beautiful illustration of all those that God has saved, the spiritual bride of the Lord Jesus, the bridegroom, and all their sins are washed away. Everyone has become saved and now 
comes the finality, the consummation of the marriage and the joining together forevermore and so forth. And, and so many, many things in this world come from the Bible and are related to God's gospel program. And, and so is the marriage dress. Well, the, the marriage dress or the fine linen that the bride is arrayed in, said to be clean and white, is the fine linen, the righteousness of saints. And, and that relates to Christ's righteousness. And God speaks of Christ's righteousness as a robe in the Bible, as a breastplate. It's that which goes on a person. It covers a person. And that's the picture here with these coats of skins that are clothing, a covering to Eve. It's a picture of God's salvation plan. Now, uh, the word clothe is found in Second Chronicles 6 and verse 41. And it says, Now therefore arise, O Jehovah God, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength, let thy priests, O Jehovah God, be clothed with salvation. Let thy saints rejoice in goodness. There, God has the historical uh, type and figure of the priesthood, and and he has the statements in the New Testament about a holy priesthood offering up spiritual sacrifices in a spiritual house. And here, he's sort of bringing the two together, where he speaks of priests clothed, not with priestly garb or garments, fine linen, but with salvation. He's letting it break through for a moment, the the, the spiritual underlying truth uh, sort of bursts through, and God does this from time to time to help us, because we need a lot of help in, in understanding spiritual things, uh, um, uh, you know, we, we were dead in our soul, in our spirit, and when God brings us to life, uh, we, we have a lot to learn in the spiritual realm. And, and so he assists us, he helps us from time to time with these sort of statements to let us know you're on the right track concerning what priests represent, concerning what their garments represent, salvation. Yes, you you have the correct idea. Or in Psalm 132, it says in verse 9, Let thy priest be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. And remember back in Revelation 19, in the verse we looked at, it said concerning the bride... Uh, in verse 8, to her was granted she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And here in Psalm 132, that statement in Revelation could have been taken from this verse. In verse 9, let thy priests be clothed with righteousness and let thy saints shout for joy. Again, it's a breaking through of spiritual daylight. Here, uh, don't get caught up in natural things. Don't overlook 
the the deeper spiritual truth the the clothing of the priest points to salvation points to righteousness it identifies with the bride it identifies with the saints who who are the same as the bride it, uh, it you know the bible is that one harmonious whole it's one book of god it it is uh, all god's word and and so when we're reading in the Psalms or Genesis or Revelation, uh, the, the scriptures fit together. They harmonize with one another. In Isaiah 59, it says in verse 16 and verse 17, And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. Now, we, we know this can only be referring to Christ. And then in verse 17, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. The word put on, or the two English words, are a translation of uh, the same Hebrew word, 3847, in Strong's Concordance, translated as clothed, in the verses we've been looking at. And so he clothed righteousness as a breastplate. And you do put on clothing. So it's a, it's a good translation. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the same word. He clothed the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. And this language would tie in with Isaiah 63. And as it says there uh, concerning the one coming from Eden with dyed garments from Basra, it says in verse 3, I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I, I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Raiment and garments are clothing. And and so, you know, it, it, again, it was curious why God spoke of clothing Adam and Eve when Adam has consistently been used by God in Genesis as a, a figure of Christ. Well, how... Could Christ be clothed, as we're thinking, it's easy for us, in other words, to think of priest being clothed, because priests identify with those that God saves, or with Eve being clothed. We understand she is the, the bride, is a picture of those that God saves, and we get that. But, but why was Aaron the high priest, clothed with the same coat. Why is Adam clothed with the same coat of skin? Why did God make the coat of skin for Adam as well as for Eve? And why here in Isaiah 59 does Christ put on, or is he clothed with righteousness and clothed with garments of vengeance? He has clothing as well. It also says in Isaiah 61, 
in verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in Jehovah. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. All right, so that's exactly what we've been looking at with the language of many of these verses. It's the spiritual picture in Genesis. But now notice who is clothed with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. The bridegroom is Christ. They were a figure of Christ. Right? That That's how the Bible presents the bridegroom. And I've always read this verse and and always applied it to the second part. As it goes on to say, And as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. So I would come here and and read, He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. And then sort of um, go to the last part of the verse as a bride. Because it, it, it fits, it, it's understandable, I, I understand that, but I never really understood, and I'm not sure I fully understand now why it is, but it is. It is the case that, that God speaks of clothing the bridegroom, God speaks of clothing Aaron, the high priest, God speaks of clothing uh, himself, as we read in the previous uh, chapter of Isaiah, in Isaiah 59, with with uh, righteousness. And here, with garments of salvation, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom. And so these references, like Adam, was covered with coats of skin. God made Adam coats of skin as well as Eve. And here, what is true concerning the uh, garments of salvation, that clothing is true of the bridegroom as well as the bride. And, and so, we are understanding things correctly and understanding Adam is continuing to be a picture or a figure of Christ in being clothed also with the coats of skin. Now, it, how is this? Well, it could be that as Christ um, died, he, again, he was laden with sin. He, he became iniquity for his people, but then he paid for the sin. It, and through the fires of hell, death, that those sins were purged from him. He was baptized as the sins were washed away. And he emerged from the dead. Uh, he rose triumphantly from the grave at the foundation of the world. Righteous. He, he came forth righteous and clean once again. And so he wore the garments of righteousness. He was clothed with his own salvation. Because he purchased his own salvation in the sense, uh, at the same time, he paid for the sins of of all those he, he was laden with. You know, if he wasn't able to pay for those sins, it would have meant his own 
uh, everlasting death uh, to the point where he never would live again. He would have been dead and ceased to exist forevermore. But in resurrecting, he showed his victory over death and he showed his righteousness. And so therefore he was clothed with the garments of salvation himself as well as having sufficient covering for his bride. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.